0: so let's get into an informative and empowering conversation hello and welcome to the motherhood village podcast i'm on with a very special guest sarah maynard who is the founder and ceo of the start effect she helps people understand the impact the digital world has on their offline lives and find balance between online and unplugged so that they can live a safe healthy and intentional life in both worlds Sarah is a passionate storyteller and lifelong learner. She has worked with kids for almost 20 years, and she is a children's book writer and illustrator and digital marketing communication strategist. Her big current project is helping teens become published authors and teaching them to use digital media to their benefit. Love it. Um, Sarah, I'm very excited to dive into this conversation with you um, on many different levels. But before we get into it, let's do my icebreaker round. What is your favorite book or one you would like to recommend?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, I have so many. I read I read like three or four at a time because I get bored. Um, but right now I'm listening to Heartless by Marissa Mayer, yeah. which is a retelling kind of of how the Queen of Hearts came to be the Queen of Hearts. And it's fascinating. I'm just completely really? into it. It's awesome.
0: <laughs> Very cool. What are the values that guide you and your family?
1: Oh, Humor, for sure. We love to laugh and play um, and community and gratitude. Mm,
0: love that. How has motherhood transformed you?
1: Jeez, oh, that's a huge one. Um, <laughs> I Oh, my goodness. I was the kid in high school that all of the kid all the parents wanted to have on their like field trip groups because mm-hmm. I was always counting all of my friends. Like, so I feel like I've been preparing for a long time. (laughs) Keep all my ducks in one place.
0: (laughs) I think there's something to say about that. Like when we're younger and we think about our future selves. So that's interesting that you can tie back to that and say, I remember being a young one, always making sure things are in order and your friends are good and everyone's in their place
1: just actually in the last couple years has comp- that mother has really transformed me is watching how resilient my children have been in such a difficult time and, and really learning so much from them on resiliency and being able to bounce back and, and try new things. And I mean, they're really, their their resiliency is really the reason that I have, I, that I started this business and I went back to get my master's because they were like, you know what, we can do this. And I was like, sure, you know what, we, we can all go to virtual school.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. It takes a village to raise a child, but I always say it takes a village, most importantly, to raise, a, to uplift a mother. Who and what has been a part of your motherhood village?
1: I love mom's exercise groups. That was a huge mm. thing for me when my kids were really small. Um i actually taught some mother some uh mom workout classes and just being part of that community where we could you know do something hard together for 45 minutes to an hour and still have our kids with us and but all come together and say you know what we're gonna do a hard thing and then we're gonna just enjoy each other's company um and that was huge for me
0: that's awesome Okay. So the start effect, tell me your journey into starting that and how you pivoted from working with children as a children's book illustrator to the digital world. How did that journey begin?
1: Yeah. So I have always been fascinated by the ways we communicate. I love to just, I I love watching people talk to each other in any way that is, whether that's like sitting in a coffee shop or watching people argue on Twitter. Like I just like all of it. (laughs) and so that's kind of always been part of my journey in, um, not only how we communicate with with each other, but how we communicate with ourselves and the stories that we tell ourselves. And that's kind of what led me to children's book writing. I've always loved writing and stories for kids are just so much fun. Um, you have, I, I feel like when you talk, kids are going to tell you, right. They're going to tell you when it's good and when it's bad, <laughs> and they're not going to sugarcoat it for you. Um, and that's one thing that I like the the realness and the rawness of writing and illustrating for kids. Um, and then with the pandemic, I got my master's in digital marketing communications and wow. that kind of led me to where I am now, kind of trying to combine the, the two loves together and, and finding a way to help kids navigate this digital space that we all live in and they they've grown up in but then us as parents have sat back and we're like well we don't know what we're doing either (laughs) and so figuring that out
0: so let me ask though because you had mentioned that your kids gave you kind of the inspiration to go back to school but why did you choose that to get your marketing degree like where did that come from was it because you said I want to help my kids like where was the um the spark that made you want to make get a master's for that because that's so you know you hear people getting masters in continuing education you could have got masters in art whatever it is why digital what did you say um, yeah digital, marketing? digital
1: digital marketing communications yeah um, yeah so talk about that <laughs> so being in the children's book world there's um, when you go to get published in in any any realm of publishing but children's is where I've lived. Um, publishing houses do not help with the marketing as much as they used to. A lot of times there's no help at all. And so, because I was already interested in it, I had already been learning this stuff, uh, learning about how to use the internet, how to get, how to make a website, how to make things work for you. And I really wanted a deeper dive so that honestly, so I could start helping my friends. Like I wanted to know more. So when they asked questions, I knew more. Um, and, and so that's really how I started to to dive into digital marketing specifically, um, because I wanted to understand that world better and how we use the psychology of how we think about things and, and, and then even thinking about how companies are marketing to us all of the time. Uh, so, it, yeah, it was really eye-opening and um, just taught me so many things. It was really, really cool.
0: And then look at that. Now you've turned that into your business. So I guess I'll ask what is the start effect? What services do you provide? And when was it that you said, okay, now I have my master's and I think I can use this not only to, which makes sense, you know, to help um, my own marketing with the books that I publish or my friends, but when did you realize you can do what you're doing now?
1: Yeah. So I, I do, I kind of, I like to do a lot of different things. So the start effect is really about helping, just helping anyone who wants help with figuring out how to find that balance online. Whether that is a mom who wants to understand how to help our kids have um, a, um, a healthy relationship with their online life, or a business owner that wants to figure out how to not be so incredibly overwhelmed by needing, tr- feeling like they need to be all the places online. Uh, So I do a lot of speaking and um, I'm currently working on a book for teens and um, I do also do some one-on-one coaching um, for people also. So a little bit of everything.
0: That's awesome. So social media in the digital world obviously has been very impactful Um, and I would arguably, and you tell me if I'm wrong, I would imagine since the pandemic, it has skyrocketed just because everyone's having meetings, like it's just a whole new world. What should and shouldn't we be posting online? Mm-hmm. What tips can you give?
1: Yeah. So there's this is a hard one because we want to be authentic without oversharing. And so that's, the, that's kind of the line we're walking and what we're trying to do, right? So you want to be yourself. You want to be honest. But you don't want to necessarily go into all of your emotions all of the time and now we see this happening a lot more specifically on TikTok, You see a lot of, a lot of emotions really fast. My biggest suggestion is to take a couple of minutes, at least when you yeah. see something, take a few minutes, maybe journal it out first, maybe type it out in the notes app first and make sure that whatever it is that you're posting, you're posting because it is true to you, not because your emotions are letting are, are guiding your words. Um, because there are things like, I mean, we don't want to be, we don't want to be sharing secrets of others or our own secrets just because we're angry, right. Or scared or sad. Um, because I, I see it all the time that someone is, someone will make a decision and say something and then there are consequences from those actions. Um, so one, <laughs> there was a, a woman on Twitter who had, was, Had gotten a new job and was just not excited about it. Was really not excited about this new job at all. So she tweeted, Oh, geez, I have to go to this job. It's gonna be terrible. I know I'm gonna hate it. (laughs) Her new boss saw it and told her, No, you don't need to come in. You're not working here anymore. So even before she got into work for the first day, she lost her job because she let her motions get ahead of her and said something in a way that she thought was anonymous. But we're really not anonymous, <laughs> especially when we're using our own names and using things that can be tied back to us. Um, we have to be keeping conscious of that, that it, it, it comes back to us on this side of the screen.
0: <laughs> and I would imagine I've seen, I guess, a good now that you're mentioning, and I think a lot of times people use social media as like their diary, right? So it's like their way. They're showing their day, they're showing this. And and I, I guess I can see, I don't know, my generation, I think it was like right at the cusp, you know, not even at the cusp, we're after, I was born in 83. So I didn't get on Facebook till later, I didn't get on, you know, all of that. But I'm talking about the younger generation that, you know, all they know is the digital world, basically. I can see how it's easy to fall into that trap of wanting to share because that's what they see as everything without realizing to your point that things can be tracked, things can be tied back to you. We see cancel culture retweets from 10 years ago that are coming back to haunt people. So I guess my next question is before we kind of dive into the whole motherhood and business owner aspect of it because my listeners are mothers, some of them are entrepreneurs, business owners, but what do you think is the future of the digital and internet world? Like, what, what does that look like? What do you think that looks like?
1: Ooh. I mean, I, my hope, I'm going to go with my hope it's going to happen. I, I hope we find a way to, because it's going to be getting, continued to integrate into our lives. I mean, we already carry it around on our watches. It's going to start to be something we look through in our glasses, in our contacts, and our whatever it is. I mean, it, it's going to be things we wear and but I what I want to see is I, I I very much hope that we find a way to have a healthy balance with that, that we're able to still enjoy the enjoy sitting around the table with other human beings in one space without the technology or using the technology to help us, especially for those who um, you know, may have some disabilities that their technology is helping them be able to interact more fully in a conversation. Um, but you know, I, I hope that we can find a way in which it, it becomes something that is beneficial for all of us. And we don't end up with that feeling of, of loss when we step back from it or anxiety or FOMO when we don't do it for a little while, um, that we all have a much more mindful use of how we use it.
0: I guess, yeah, I guess, like you said, it's finding that balance because we know it's inevitable. We know more is coming. So it's being able to still make sure that we understand that the connections in person are more so important because we're going to start losing a lot more of that. As a mom and business owner, how do you and how can other mothers find balance between being online and being present and unplugged for ourselves, for our children, for our family, friends, so on and so forth?
1: Yeah, this is a big one. And it's hard. I want to recognize first that this is a difficult, difficult thing to do is trying to find this balance. Because the technology and the apps are all designed to suck us in and keep us there as long as possible. <laughs> and they do a really, yeah. really good job. <laughs> so it, it does feel like this battle. But the first step is making that decision that you want to have balance because then you can start to make changes and don't start all in one day. Don't just say, you know what? All right, I'm out this week. I'm not going to touch my phone except for when someone calls me with emergency. That's not realistic. No one's doing that. (laughs) So set instead say, okay, this week, I want to only be on Twitter for half an hour a day. And, And both iPhone and Android have options on there that they can, um, set screen time deadlines and it will alert you because that's almost the biggest thing is because we get on there and we don't realize how long we're on there. So the, the first step I always recommend is set your own boundaries and pick what they are for yourself. And, you know, don't, don't try to do something so hard, right? Like if you're, if, if Twitter is the way that you help to de-stress, I'm just using Twitter as an example. It could be anything, Pinterest, Instagram, whatever. Um, if that's a way that, you know, you take your, you take a couple minutes to yourself, then don't take that out entirely. Make sure that you have though a boundary that's going to work for you. So don't say, okay, I'm only going to be on it for five minutes when usually you're on it for an hour. That might, that's, it's going to feel too much too fast. So just sure. slowly start stepping it back and the, you'll see big differences in how and just in, in noticing, how often you're on it um, can make a big, big change.
0: And I guess going back to tying into you getting your master's, I'll say what was one of the biggest things that you recognize or see now that you've been using from you going to school and really understanding, I guess, how the internet works or how the digital world works? How have you been able to apply some of the things that you learn now?
1: Yeah, I, I think one of the biggest, biggest, like, aha moments for me was really thinking, and I think in the back of my, our minds, we all know this, but in, in really researching and digging into it for my master's, looking at how businesses use social media and how the social media platforms themselves run their business. Um, because we get on these platforms and they're free for us to use monetarily, but we're paying in our time and we're paying in our information. And that was the big one that like, does not like before would leave my brain, right? It would be like, oh, it's fine. I'll just click on all of the things and I'll watch all of the stuff. Uh, but I'm, I'm much more conscious now about when an ad pops up on my feed or what I'm scrolling past versus what I'm clicking on and watching the whole video of, or what exactly I'm responding to. So it's just a, the, a mindset shift.
0: And I'll say one more kind of offset to have that. So for someone who can't get their master's right in what you got your master's in, what are some things that they can do research on, right? That they can maybe watch a documentary. Are there books that they could read so that they could also better understand the psychology of it and not get trapped in the rabbit holes that social media and the digital world want us to get into?
1: Yeah, there's a couple really good ones on Netflix. Um, The Social Dilemma. I think that's the name of it on Netflix was really, really good. Yes, yeah. I saw that, that one's that really, was
0: really good. Very mind boggling that I was like, OMG, like, this is crazy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That one was really like kind of big, big business. Um, and really it's uh, for me, one big shift that I've made is curating my social media feed, my own feed mm-hmm. and looking at people that, um, that have something to teach me, whether that is, um, you know, just people that are different than me in any way. Um, I've really tried to curate it and look and, and interact with those profiles more often because then that's what starts showing up more on your for you pages, which that for me has been the biggest change and you definitely don't need to be going to school for that.
0: It makes sense. Um, I mean, I think you you heard a lot of times where, you know, the algorithm and, you know, obviously the, the people that you follow, I think what does make it difficult is when, you know, there's someone that maybe you're close to or someone that you know and you feel obligated to follow, but yet maybe you know, watching their account or following them, whatever is not bringing you the piece that you want or their talks or whatever it is. I think that's where things get a little hairy or someone in business, you know, but I know that there's ways that maybe you don't want to follow, but you can like not have it show like there's certain things, you know. Um, but I think that's when, cause we put so much pressure that we have to follow this one or do this one or like this page from this person. And then it turns into a, again, kind of like a domino effect. It um, does. Yeah. aspect of it.
1: Yeah, and and it's it it is, it's so difficult, especially just as you were saying, when it's someone who's already close to us in the physical world, then we feel this obligation. And you know, it that in itself is a mindset shift that that we have to work on. And it's hard work, which is why a lot of us just we're just like, oh, it's fine, I'll just like their thing and I'll move on and it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. But for our own well-being, we have to start making those conscious decisions to stop interacting. Just keep following, I mean, follow them if it's someone you feel you need to follow. But once you see something, there's just scroll right past. They're not going to know. <laughs> and that's part of it is they're really not going to know.
0: <laughs> sure. Or you can say, oh, it didn't come up on my feed, you know, like if they ask you, whatever it is. Yep. Um, The internet can be a very scary place, right? It has, you know, you hear of the black internet or the under, you know, whatever. It's like a whole, especially with information overload, misinformation. How do you get your kids to talk to you or to talk to, yeah, to talk to you or what tips can you give to parents to make sure their kids talk to them about what they are doing online and are there ways that we can monitor their online behavior?
1: Oh, yes. So my number one tip for parents is find something that your kid is already into. Maybe that is a game they like online. Maybe it's an app they like. Whatever it is, and have them teach you how to do it. Have them say, you know what? Hey, I, you saw you you said this was neat. Like, how teach me how to do it? And use that. Let them be the expert, right? And and so because we all like to talk about ourselves, we all like to be the expert. So that just opens that pathway to communication. And while they're teaching, right? You can be asking some maybe a little more leading questions like, oh, well, what do you like most about this? What is the best thing for you? Who do you talk to? What do you talk about? And just if you use it as a as a tool for them to be teaching you, they're a little less guarded about what what they're sharing. And you can use that kind of as you're in. Um, And now if it's if it's an online game, don't play it with them and their friends. That's not what I'm saying. Don't do that. (laughs) They don't want you to do that. But say it's like a Minecraft or Roblox, like have them teach you one aspect of it, make that something that maybe the two of you do for half an hour after school and then let them go off and do and have fun with their friends. Right. But it's something that that you two can share in a world where they feel like you don't know anything. And that's the one of the number one things I hear from kids. They're like, my mom doesn't know what I'm talking about. So if you get that shared language to start with, it can be a lot easier when more difficult conversations have to be had.
0: And that's so poignant because I've actually interviewed some you know, licensed mental health therapists, counselors, Gen Z psychologists. And a lot of them say that, but not in the way that you're saying it because you're like, oh, well, to find out, but it all is correlated. They were saying it more of like ways for you to connect with your teen, ways for you to connect with your children. So you're in essence saying the same thing but the reason why it's so important is to go back and saying so that you can kind of understand how they're mm-hmm. connecting, how would they connecting. Maybe they'll say who they're talking with or you can get a better understanding of how the game works. But I think more than anything it just helps with the connection and truthfully I feel in my heart and granted my son will be 5 Thursday so I'm, I'm still new to all of this. Mm-hmm. But being a child myself, friends and things, I think the the more we can grow connections with our children the better it will be, whether it's technology they're dealing with or whatever it is. Friends that might give them have bad influences, I think the more connected we can feel to them and have them feel like they have more autonomy and power in who they are. And you kind of play that reverse psychology, basically, is what you're saying. Like, oh, yeah, teach me. Like, oh, I'm so interested in this. And, you know, have them really be the expert. But really, you're trying to figure out what it all entails, I think is more impactful than anything but i will say i know for me especially because my son is getting older what about the online predators what about you know meeting people online and i know like you said you can find out about the games but how do we monitor the behavior how do we you know you hear kids running away meeting with strangers like i guess and i know you can't solve the problems of all of that but what are some tips strategies that you can give to parents listening of being a little step ahead and protecting their children
1: yeah, so there's a couple red flags that we as parents should be making our kids aware of just when they start talking to people online cuz they'll be, you know, there's chat rooms in the games, there's chat rooms on social media, all of these different things where they can meet people. Um mm-hmm. so some things that I tell my kids and I tell anyone who asks, things we should tell our kids about being online, red flags to look at, right? So if someone comes and says no, you know what? Don't tell anybody we talked. Keep our relationship a secret. Anytime they say keep our relationship a secret, that's a number one red flag. Um, why do they want like? And so a lot of this comes back to helping our kids, even with that critical thinking. Like, why do they want to know that? Why? Why is that important? Um, another one is not accepting digital gifts. So digital gifts are really difficult to track because. They're just uh, like an Amazon gift card or a Roblox, Roblox gift card, which are really, really hard to track. And so when I was talking to my 14-year-old about this, I was asking him, I was like, okay, well, if you were talking to somebody on Minecraft or Roblox and they said, hey, here's 15 bucks, do whatever you want with it. And he was like, yeah, I would take that. That's awesome. And I was like, okay, but if you yourself had 14 bucks or 15 bucks, what would you do with it? Would you just give it to someone you just met? Would you give it like, and he was like, well, no. And I was like, so maybe we shouldn't be taking things from people. Because
0: we don't know their, don't know their intention. do intention,
1: trying- right? And so a lot of times it'll, they'll come back with, hey, I gave you that. So why don't you send me this? Or why don't you meet me here or whatever? So that's something just to start and just to start them thinking about it. So it's because as soon as I said it to him, he was like, oh, yeah, that would be weird. I would not, if I was, if I had it, I wouldn't be just giving it to people. And I was like, right. So do you think any other 14 year olds are out there with like, Hey, I've got an extra 15 bucks. I'm just going to give it away. <laughs> Probably not.
0: <laughs> Which is unfortunate. That shows the innocence. Cause he's like, sure. Why wouldn't I take it? It's just like, what do you mean? This man is offering me candy. It's the same concept. Why wouldn't I take it? And it's like, no, let's think about it deeper of what would the person be getting out of it? Someone who's giving you something, there's usually an exchange. So you gotta think about what that is because no one's just going to give it to you. So a hundred percent, but still so scary to yes. think about.
1: Yeah, it's so terrifying. Um, my other two top ones are anytime someone asks for pictures of any kind, really. But my top ones are if they ask for you in um, in pictures with, uh, with your pajamas on, pictures of your hair, pictures of your feet pictures of, of you with body parts that are usually covered by clothes, like just, and, and helping them to, to start to think about it because they don't think about it at all. So it's you, these conversations aren't ones that we want to be having, but we have to just so that they're aware that they might happen. So the last one is asking about schedule. Um, and very specific things about your schedule. So I really caution kids and parents to tell their kids not to share their school, not to share the city they live in. And um, I mean, it's something, if you've met someone in person, then they already know enough about you. They're not gonna ask you that stuff anyway. Um, But anything that gives any part of your location, you wanna keep that private. So I I tell kids, like, it's fine to tell them what state you live in. That's fine. Like, let them know what part of the country or the world you're in. That's okay. But don't don't narrow it down more than that. Um, And specifically thinking about social media um, as they get older. Excuse me. One thing is if they have uniforms for a sport or something that blurring out the name of the school when they post a picture of themselves Um, that it's it's about making it not as hard because it's still they still can like if someone is super determined there's not a lot you're going to be able to do and that's unfortunate but that's that is the way it's going to be in person also so it's about setting them up with these skills to help make it not easy because unfortunately there is going to be someone who does make it easy (laughs)
0: I would imagine it's also just having that relationship with your child and being honest. I I am a firm believer in truly, I mean, obviously as they're within age. So if my son is going to start playing video games in my mind, I'm like, okay, trying to hold off as long as possible, maybe eight, nine, 10. At that age, you can start having much more serious conversations to say, This is why, because there are people out there who prey on this and really being honest, like this is the world. This is unfortunate. Not everyone, but there could be that possibility. And actually, I'm glad you mentioned about the school. So how do you feel before we go into my last few questions here? How do you feel about parents sharing their kids information? So like my my social media page it's all about motherhood. So I do share stuff with my son, not all the time, um, but I always block out his school Mm -hmm. information because, you know, because he does wear a uniform because my page is public. Mm -hmm. Is it really that serious for even parents within their social media, you know, like to, to make sure that they are protecting their kids, even on that level? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I definitely would as a parent. And this is something because we were never taught how to do any of this. And so we're still all learning. And I want to make sure that that moms and parents that we all know, like, give yourself some grace. You're learning some new things. And if, if you have done some of these things before, you can go back and delete them. now, And that's just gonna make it harder for people to find. Unfortunately, once it's on the internet, there is no eraser on the internet, so it's out there, but you can delete things. So for example, I had pictures of my kids when I had a private Facebook profile. And then when I started my business, I made it public. But when I did that, I also went through and deleted all of the pictures of my kids first, because I didn't want to be sharing it. And they didn't have them as babies didn't have anything to do with what I'm doing now. So it didn't make sense for them to be there in the first place. Um, but thinking of of like um, uh, first day of school photos or end of year photos, then if we all love to see those pictures and kids are excited and parents are excited, but you know, just sticking
0: a of information. so
1: much information. Yeah, so making sure if they're wearing a uniform, blurring that part, blurring the emblem out, not adding your teacher. You know, the the teacher's name or the school, or um, if you're taking pictures outside, make sure that your the number of your house is not visible in the picture that you're posting. Um, so just. Yeah. (laughs) So taking, taking pictures in like a blank background, you know, get, just get like the brick or the siding or a tree or something. Um, And because we, we love to see those things. So one story I'll say about this is I have a friend who has a teenage son who wanted to start a Twitter profile, a Twitter uh, account. And he didn't want her to follow him because he knew that she posted some stuff about their life and um, he was like, I just don't want people to know that stuff about me. I want it to be just about what I want to talk about. And, sure. and she came to me and she's like, well, is he right? And I was like, yeah, cause people can look at his follower list, see that you have the same last name and, and then just be, just say, oh, well, I can go find out all this information on this profile. Um, sure. and And unfortunately, this happens throughout our lives. Um, So even us as adults, if there's something that someone wants to find out about us, they may go look to see what our parents are doing also. So it's not only that we're looking at what we should be teaching our kids, sometimes we also have to be looking at what our parents are doing and our extended family. Um, because I've had to have some conversations with my with my extended family saying like i please don't post the names of my kids when you take pictures and post them um because i it it all comes back and and as I said before there's no eraser so it it's all out there
0: <laughs> it's scary it's very overwhelming like you said this is uncharted territory we've never been here before so it's it's a big thing but this is what this is the point of these kind of conversations right for the information to be out there. So now we'll kind of pivot back to the general question here. Why do you think a ban on digital devices is not the answer when our kids mess up online?
1: Yes. Yeah, so I think as as parents some when when our kids do something online that either they've said something or they've been on it too long or they've watched a lot of things they or anything that they shouldn't be watching, right? our first instinct is to protect them by taking it from them. And the problem with that is for our, for our kids, for this generation of kids is it's not just an entertainment device. It is their social lifeline. It is how they are connecting with all of their friends. And so when you take that device entirely from them, you're, you're not, you're, you're not doing what you think you're doing for the most part, right? We think we're protecting them and we think we're helping, but what we're doing is completely isolating them.
0: Making them feel like they're isolated exactly. Then they add the anxiety. They're not part of their friend. So now they feel I'm not the FOMO. They have all these other emotions that come with it that they can't explain to you that this is what they're feeling.
1: Yes, exactly, exactly. And so what I suggest doing is sitting them down and saying, okay, look, Uh, This is something that you're going to need to learn to regulate for yourself. So how many hours a day do you think you need this, this device or this app or whatever and help them set up those boundaries? Similar to what I was saying before for ourselves, because we also want to teach them that in the future when they're adults and we can't help them as much and something happens and they need to take a step back, how are they going to be able to do that? So teaching to them to self-regulate, yeah. exactly. So that this is so much of that, and saying, okay, well, you know what? Maybe we start with an hour a day, and that way you can check all of your messages, you can get back to people, and then letting them tell their friends, "Hey, I'm only going to be able to connect during these periods," um, because so much of their interaction is all the time, right? Um, that it can feel it can feel like on both sides of that screen it can feel like they're getting cut off and so we want to make sure that they're communicating to the people that they care about that they're going to be taking some time off and, and shrinking the amount of time that they're using something um and and all of that is skills that we want them to have as they get older A
0: 100 percent. and i guess my last question when it comes to digital marketing the digital world and everything as a business owner how often do you think we should be posting? Like, do you think, Ooh. because there's so much, right? You <laughs> so can post every day. Then there's, yep. I forget the the gentleman who wrote the book that basically he doesn't have any social media Um, and you probably know of him and he's successful, right? He doesn't believe it. He doesn't, you know, whatever. Um, And he's successful. He's written books. What is that? Is it what our mental health allows? What are this allowed? Like, speak on
1: that. Yes, yeah. So the first thing I would think about is making sure that you're using a platform that you already enjoy. If you don't like Twitter, don't be on Twitter, (laughs) like have a profile, but in your bio say, Hey, thanks for finding me. You can find me more regularly on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, whatever. So if someone finds you because you, you like, we all like to be found. That's fabulous. So if someone's searching in that space because that's where they are, then they know where to find you. But don't spend all of your time in a place that you don't want to be. And and I feel especially as business owners, this like just kind of drags on us so much because we (laughs) we want we want to be part of our community and we want to build these communities, but it can it can get so overwhelming. Um, So my other big tip is is batching your content. So by batching, I mean, creating a bunch of content at once and then picking some way to schedule it, whether that's Hootsuite or business the business center in Facebook, whatever it is. Um, and so picking one time each week or one time every two weeks and having a one to two hour block and getting it all out of the way and then engaging for 15 minutes a day every day. So you're commenting on your own posts, you're responding to people who've commented to you and then My last big engagement tip is to find a couple of hashtags that relate to your business. Um, So for you, it would be like um, if you just did hashtag motherhood, right? And search and follow those hashtags and engage on some other people's posts. Maybe share some stuff that they've done, comment on their posts Because then you're jumping into their community that they have built, right? So you can start to grow your community that way by just taking a couple minutes a day to pick two or three people, you know, just scroll through that feed, pick a couple people and chat and make social media social and and focus on those relationships because that's where we're going to get our energy. And that's what's going to make us feel less overwhelmed.
0: I love it. I love it. Um, yeah, I read, I listened to something actually it was about how to grow your podcast. And I'm a firm believer in you don't put your all your eggs in one basket. I knew once I started my business and even my podcast a few years ago, I was like, I cannot let social media overwhelm me um, because I saw quickly that I was getting very overwhelmed. And I said, no, no, no. Um, So I've I've been working out my process. But anyway, I was listening to something where they were like target daily engagement, which is in essence, the same kind of concept that you're saying. And ever since I started doing that, as opposed to just mindless scrolling and being intentional about reaching out my target demographic, whether it's people who I want to listen to my podcast, people that I want, you know, other, you know, same concept of looking at the hashtag, which I never looked at it that way. So I will definitely start doing that. But going on the accounts that I want to, Interact with, and have a thoughtful response to, as opposed to just liking something. Ever since I started doing that, my numbers have risen um, and getting more exposure for the things that I'm trying to put out there. My support groups and stuff. So I love that you talked about that because I think people do have this concept that you have to post all the time, all the time, all the time. And yeah, if you had a multimedia company that, or or a, a team that, like you said, or you could batch your content, that maybe you can and you post every day, but you batch to where it's there, but not making you think that you have to be connected to your phone and be on that wheel because then it's so easy to get distracted and go down that rabbit hole. Oh, so, so easy! that's <laughs> awesome. I'm glad, I, I'm glad I asked you that. Um, okay. So let's kind of pivot to you. How do you release, reset and recharge so that you don't get overwhelmed so that you can manage all the things that you're managing?
1: So I, I love to learn new things. Um, so I'm currently teaching myself to play ukulele. I've been teaching myself for a while, but I'm, I'm slowly getting better. Um, but so that's my like I've printed off a couple of things I try not to use. I have an app on my phone that I sometimes use, but I really like to just be able to pick it up and just make noise, basically, and play. And I love I love I love board games. I could play board games all day long, all the time. Um, and I love just having people sit around a table and, you know, laugh and de-stress together. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. So those are the things that fill your cup, that bring you joy. I love that because that's so outside the box. I think people have this idea of what it means and you have to do this grand gesture where it's like, just think of the things that calm you down, that kind of bring you back so that you're not all frazzled.
1: (laughs) That's all it is. Yeah. Just little things, little things. Yeah. Little card game, you know, a little bit of solitaire could bring my whole day around. (laughs)
0: I love it. So how can people connect with you? And then we'll end with some final thoughts.
1: Yeah. So you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at the start effect. And then my website is www.thestarteffect.com.
0: Awesome. And then any other final thoughts to the motherhood podcast community?
1: Just to be kind to yourself as we, I mean, it's a journey, right? And we're all, we're all here trying to do what's best for our kids and learn once we learn new things to apply them and to do better and to remember it's okay to start again.
0: I love that. Thank you so much, Sarah, for your time, for coming on and sharing your journey and all the great tips on the digital world. Um, And continued blessings to you for love and light. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this impactful episode of the Motherhood Village podcast.